Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Brett Ridgway. Brett is a 25-year veteran of the speaking industry. He got his start back in 1999 managing the back of the room sales table at a conference and over the next 15 years did that at around 150 events. He's seen nearly 2,000 speakers in person and has witnessed firsthand the good, bad, and ugly of the industry. He's seen the mistakes speakers make that have in some instances cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Thanks so much for joining me today, Brett. Well, I'm so excited to be with you, Diane, and I hope that we can certainly share some things that will help your listeners out. Uh, Me too, because I think a lot of the folks that listen consider they either already are speakers or they are considering adding speaking to their marketing efforts. So um, let's start with, I, I know there are different speaking models out there. Can you explain what they are? Sure. So the first model is what most people are familiar with, and that's the keynote speaker, the person who's paid a fee by a corporation or an association to come and deliver a message. Could be an hour, could be half a day, whatever. But the keynote speaker, again, is paid a fee and typically expenses by the organization bringing them in. The second type of speaker I call the platform seller. So they're typically at a multi-speaker event where a lot of the speakers or all the speakers are, are selling something from the platform. So they'll deliver their content for the majority of the presentation. Then they'll launch into a, a pitch, let's call it, where they'll offer some type of back-end product or services that the attendees can that can purchase there. And then the, the third type of speaker in my mind, Diane, is honestly the typical businessman. Could be a chiropractor, a plumber, electrician, an attorney, or whatever, who is using speaking strictly as a marketing tool to build awareness of whatever their core business is. So they may not be directly ever selling from the stage, but it's about driving people hopefully to them so that when they have that need for whatever that particular professional offers, they're the logical choice to think of because they've shared expertise with you at some point in time. Okay, that that is great. Thank you. So um, let's talk about... so. The first one, you know, this person's paid to to go in there. Um, Let's talk about um, speaking for free. So should be people do it if they're going to? What should the goal be? You know, give us some insights on that. Yeah, it it really depends on on your business and what the objective of your speaking is. Now, certainly when I think somebody is starting out as a speaker, they should speak about any chance they get so they can polish their craft. So they get more comfortable being in front of the audience and sharing whatever the message is that they have to share. But, you know, if you are good from the platform and you're getting higher and higher demand for speaking in front of groups, at some point in time, you're going to have to, you know, pick and choose your battles, as we say. 
And that's a matter of assessing each individual speaking opportunity to determine if it's the right fit for you. Is the audience a good match for, for your message? Is it, you know, what are the number of attendees? Is it an in-person or a virtual event? If you have something to sell, are they going to allow, allow you to sell from the platform in the back of the room? Or is it just, you know, deliver content only and hopefully, hopefully they come to you. If you have the ability to drive them, you know, capture their email address in some way, will the host let you do that? And, and what are you going to drive them to so that you can build your email list and all that? So, I mean, yes, I think you should speak for free out of the gate. Over time, you'll need to assess whether that's the way that you should continue based on how your business is growing and how much of an impact the speaking is having, et cetera. Okay, that, that's great. So, um, um, so what if someone is thinking about speaking like they want that to be their full-time business? So should they be really focusing on keynotes or being a platform selling speaker? Well, it again depends on what your objectives are, Diane. So, I mean, if you have had success in a, a business and you just feel like you have a powerful message that you want to share with as many as people as possible, then keynoting may be the way to go because maybe you're not as comfortable selling from the platform as you know, as others are. Now, I will tell you that from my experience, if you are a, an accomplished platform seller, you will make far more money as a platform seller than you will keynoting. Now, I do know speakers that have been able to marry both worlds together and do it fantastically well. Uh, and so if you can get to that particular platform, wonderful. But if you have to pick one or the other, if you get accomplished from the stage, you can pretty much write your own ticket in terms of being in demand from event promoters because they know you can close. And I mean, the way that the, the speaking business works in the platform selling situation, Diane, is typically... When a person is putting on an event, they're going to split the, if you're doing back room sales, that's going to be a 50-50 split between the event promoter and the speaker. So they are motivated to bring people into their events that have proven sales skills. I mean, yes, they want to deliver good content. You should always deliver great content to the audience. I mean, they're your foremost responsibility. But if you have something to sell from the platform and you can get very efficient and effective at that, you're going to generate far more revenue. And then what you do with that revenue obviously is up to you, but you make far more money as a platform seller typically than you will as a keynoter if you can get proficient at it. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I actually have a colleague, Diane, who spoke at an event a few years ago in the UK. And in one 90-minute presentation, he did $995,000 worth of sales. What was he selling? Well, he was selling his training programs on internet marketing. And, you know, it, it's certainly had to split half of that with the promoter. But, you know, who wouldn't like to walk away with nearly half a million dollars for a 90 sure. minute presentation? Uh, and you'll never get that kind of keynote speed unless you're, a, you know, a Bill Clinton or, a, you know, a big name out there who's willing to fork over the big dollars to bring you into their event. Right. Right. That's something I think people don't realize. So, um, where do these speakers find the places to speak? There are various venues. And one of the things that I think is important to recognize, Diane, is that 
in my opinion, the biggest key to your success as a speaker will be your relationship capital, the people that you've gotten to know and the people that know you. I was able to build a, a multi-million dollar fulfillment company strictly off relationships, no outgoing advertising whatsoever. But it was all relationships that had been built over time that helped drive that particular business. So as a speaker, you need to figure out where can you get out and start networking with people and, and be a giver, share your expertise so that when opportunities come up, they'll recognize those opportunities that you can maybe fill a, a role in helping to fulfill some need that they have at an event. But there's great networking events online. For example, there's a, a group called Speakers Playhouse. That once a week, they have a like a, a two-hour networking session where you each person gets an opportunity to talk about what they speak about, what kind of platforms they're looking for. And then they have people who are event promoters talking about their platforms and what kind of speakers they're looking for. Uh, but if you look up Speakers Playhouse, there's also an, an organization or website called Speakertunity that's developed by a guy named Jackie Lappin, where it, I mean, it's a paid service. It's not a freebie, but it's one of those things where you can go in and locate the events. Again, you enter your keywords and figure out what platforms are available for you. And then you have to do your pitch to whoever that event promoter is about getting on their stage. There's also, I mean, I know there's like a, there's an organization called Event Raptor that puts on a, 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 I think it's every two weeks, a networking event. I mean, there's about four or five active networking events now where speakers have an opportunity to come in and talk about what they're doing and what they're looking for and, and hopefully match up with things. You also have a services such as Podmatch, which it's a paid service again, but it, it matches podcast guests with podcast hosts. So you enter what your topics are. And the system will automatically kick back every few hours three different podcasts that are available that you should take a look at as to whether you would be a suitable guest or not. And I've I've actually had great success with the Podmatch service in terms of I mean I believe that's how we found each other. So yes, exactly. I, you know I would encourage people to definitely check that out if they think getting interviewed on podcasts is one of the marketing channels they want to use to build awareness of what they bring to the table. Those are great suggestions. I, I wasn't aware of those places. And one thing that you didn't mention, so I, I would really like your feedback on, is um, speaker bureaus. Yes, yeah, speaker bureaus can be a certain positive for the keynote pre presenters. But it, it's one of those things. It's kind of a catch-22, Diane. I mean, when you when you really need them, you're probably not very attractive to them because you don't have the large, giant speaking fees that they're going to take a cut of. And when you build up your own audience and are getting as many gigs as you want, then you don't need them. So, you know, there's some point in time where you've got to be appropriate. And I was I was looking at something the other day. It's kind of interesting. It was, there, I mean, there, there are dozens and dozens of speaker bureaus. And if you want to be a keynote presenter, then you should get registered with some of them. But the one I was looking at bragged about having vetted, got like 15,000 different speakers. I mean, it was a huge number or whatever. But when you looked at their website, they only featured like 400 or whatever. So you had like a 3% chance that you would even be wow. featured in their website, even though you were vetted and registered with them. So that I mean, they want to promote the big names that have the higher speaking fees because they're taking their 20 or 30% or whatever it is of that speaking fee. And they'd rather do that on a, you know, a $20,000 speaker than a uh, $1,000 speaker. Right. 
The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. 80 million men and women in the U.S. experience thinning hair, yet it's still not openly talked about, which can make going through it feel scary and stressful. And that just adds to the problem. Did you know there are multiple causes of thinning hair and that thinning is different for men and women? Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement that goes beyond genetics to target stress, hormones, nutrition, metabolism, aging, and lifestyle factors that may be impacting your hair. Every formula is physician-formulated using natural, medical-grade ingredients for reliable results without compromises. Nutrafol has multiple unique formulas for men and women to provide exactly what they need based on their biology and age. It's been clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage for men and women. In clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after six months. Nutrafol is also trusted and recommended by more than 3,000 top doctors. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code ACCELERATE to save $15 on your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code ACCELERATE. Speaking of fees, do you have um, suggestions on how a speaker should um decide, I guess, on what their fees are or their standards? Yeah, that, you know, that that's a tough one. But uh, first thing I would recommend people do is, is go to the National Speakers Bureau. Their website lists all their speakers and people list their speaking fees. So study your particular niche and see what kind of fee ranges people are putting up there. And then if go to their own website and research them and all that too. But you know, look at what their messaging is. Look at what their prices are. I mean, one of the problems that most speakers have, honestly, Diane, is they tend to undervalue what they bring to the table. So they, they price themselves too low. And if you price yourself too low, then the event promoter who you know brings you up on a site or whatever, they'll say, well, they must not be very good. Their price is too cheap or whatever. So being less expensive isn't an advantage in that scenario. It's actually a, a detriment to you in terms of getting those platforms. But do your homework. Go to the, the National Speakers Bureau website is online. They have hundreds of members listed with their speaking fees posted and see how they're promoting themselves, what their rates are, and then then go from there. That's great advice. 
Thank you. I, I, that is really great. Now, talk to me about this signature talk. Would you hear everybody, you know, using that phrase? What what does that actually mean? That is a, you know, you're taking your area of expertise and then wrapping your own individual stories into that narrative so that people recognize you as unique. I mean, you're not just another Me Too speaker because it's your stories and it's your experience that you're bringing to the table. So you're going to craft a talk based around what it is you've experienced in your life and what it is you want to share with people. So now, a signature speech, I honestly think you need to be prepared to customize it for people, honestly. So you have a, a standard talk, in a sense, that you give, but you want to tweak it each time based on the pain points of the audience that you're going to go in and be speaking to. So you do have to do some homework up front to figure out what those pain points are and so that you can craft the best possible presentation in order to deliver the greatest value to your audience. But your signature talk is what you're known for. And honestly, there are some speakers out there who never vary their signature talk. They build a fantastic business of doing the same talk year after year after year after year, and they don't want to change it. And if that's you, so be it. That's fine. But for most people, you know, they want to try to be as responsive to the audience as possible. So they will tweak that signature talk based on the individual needs, per se, of the audience. and. You know, honestly, when we, you know, we talked earlier about assessing whether a stage is the right stage for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the criteria that you need to consider is how much will I need to tweak my signature talk in order to deliver this particular presentation? And if you got to, you know, if you got to write almost a brand new speech, then maybe that's not the platform you should be on. You need to be looking, you know, at the next one or whatever. But you need to have a core message that you're comfortable with that you know inside and out. And you need to be prepared to adjust it as necessary. I mean, many times you'll go to an event and you'll find out that for some reason the schedule is running behind and the event promoter will go to the next speaker and say, hey, I know I had you down for an hour. Can you do it in 45 minutes or whatever? Well, you need to be prepared to know what you're going to cut out in order to deliver that talk in 45 minutes and still get the key points across to that audience. But, you know, your signature talk is talk is all about you and, and what you bring to the table. And it definitely needs to be unique. You can't just be another copycat speaker sharing the same stories and the same message. And do you have to have a book? You know, do, do you have to be published in order to be attractive to um, event planners and programs? Well, do, you, do you have to be? No, but I would highly recommend it. Let's just <laughs> I mean, the the book is a definitely a credibility piece for you. And the fact that you're an author still in the mind of the audience or the event promoters or, you know, put you a step ahead of somebody that doesn't have a book. I mean, we talked earlier about if you're even if you're just using speaking to build up your chiropractic business or your attorney business or whatever, you should seriously consider writing the book and sharing things of value with people so that you become that recognized authority in your local area for whatever service it is that you offer. I mean, you can't, you almost can't do enough to continue to build your credibility to be the logical choice for anybody seeking what it is you have. Okay, that that's great. Um, and I, I, I totally get it. Are, are there um, industries that, do you think speaking doesn't work with 
you know, you know, that being a speaker d- doesn't make sense or d- do you think it, d- <clears throat> you know, doesn't matter? Uh, great question. Um, you know, my, my gut reaction is it doesn't matter. Although, you know, there are certain industries where I think, nah, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I was thinking, well, you know, what's a plumber going to write a book about, but you know, you can write a, a book about, you know, five easy to do yourself plumbing repairs. So you don't need to call sure. me type thing. Yeah. And then when they realize that what they have to fix is beyond those five things or whatever, <laughs> then, then you're the one that they call because you, yeah. you know, you got that book or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it, honestly, Diane, to a certain extent depends on what niche you're in and how high of a ticket your price point is. So, you know, for example, if you're a, an attorney who does uh corporation forming for people or whatever, and you know, you're going to charge them several thousand dollars to do that the right way, then, you know, write a book, and then give the damn thing away. I mean, it costs you a couple, two, two and a half, three bucks to get them, get them printed on, you know, Amazon's print on demand service and, you know, have them available to give to people. Certainly you need to have, regardless of what your profession is on your website, a way to capture names and email addresses so that you can communicate with people who have reached out at some point in time and said, Hey, I, I have an interest in what you have. Now, maybe the timing isn't right now, but maybe it isn't in three months or six months or a year or whatever. So figure out what you can do as what we would call an ethical bribe or a lead magnet, you know, some kind of special report or audio or whatever that people have to opt in and give you their email address and name in order to receive. And then, you know, as people come to your website, hopefully they're opting in and, and getting that special report. Again, that's a credibility builder for your for you. And it's, again, something that puts you into them into your world so that you can do follow up marketing with them. I see. That's great. Thank you. And, and yeah, I, I tend to think that um, any industry really could be doing it. And, and I really like this whole thing around um, sharing information, you know, giving the book away. Uh, but it does bring me to a question about um, if how someone goes about offering to the organization to buy their book for all the attendees, like as a form of payment instead of a speaker fee. What have you had experience with that? Yeah, I've certainly seen that work very well for a a number of speakers. And typically these corporations have a separate budget for educational materials. So when you're negotiating up front with the organization about your speaker fee or whatever, and that they can typically, I don't want to say typically, oftentimes, let's say, they have that separate budget that they will agree to buy a copy of the book and put into everybody's hands for you. Now, that's that's great. And I certainly encourage speakers, if they're doing keynotes, to consider that as part of their mix in some way to figure out how they can do that. Because puts a lot more revenue into your pocket, obviously, and it also gets more people into your world because the book itself, even though they're, you know, they're buying it or you're giving it away in either scenario, you need to have in that book what we would call bounce back or mechanisms to drive them to your website to, as we talked about earlier, capture your name and email address for that follow-up marketing. So in that book, the special report that you offer on your website, you might, you might want to mention it a few times and tell them where to go to get it so that you can drive them to your site. Because, I mean, the realities of the world, if you're a, if you're an author and you're selling your book just on Amazon, for example, 
Well, that's Amazon's customer. It's not your customer. So Amazon doesn't pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, Brett, you know, Frankie Frisch bought your book. Here's his contact information. Go sell him something else or whatever. So those bounce back mechanisms that you're going to build into your book or report or whatever you're giving away, need it needs to be a, a tool for you to drive that traffic to your website. So figure out what it is you can offer aside from the book that they would be interested in. It could be an interview of you, could be a, a video, could be a short training course, could be could be any number of things. You're only limited by your own creativity, honestly. But that book needs to be a marketing tool first and foremost. And usually you'll make far more money using that book as a marketing tool than you will ever will on book sales because of what the book <laughs> leads them to. Boy, isn't that the truth? Uh, I mean, really, <laughs> the book is a tool, right? So... Yeah, it's not really a revenue stream. You know, it's all it's great, you know, if you can become a New York Times bestseller or something like that. And I have colleagues that have done that, but those are few and far between. Exactly. I know. It's so true. Um so I, you know, I have to tell you, I, I love this information. I've learned a lot and I do speaking and I still have learned a lot. So I am really grateful that you have spent this time with, with our listeners. Will you tell them, you know, how they can find you, whatever you've got going on that they should know about? Sure. So the primary website is brettridgeway.com, and that's Brett with one T and Ridgeway without an E. So B-R-E-T-R-I-D-G-W-A-Y.com. And also I have my own podcast called Spotlight on Speaking. So if you are a speaker and you think you have a speaking journey worth sharing with others, I would encourage you to go to spotlightonspeaking.com and register there to be considered as a guest. And then my actually, I want to mention my next book is coming out in mid-March, published by Morgan James, and it is called How to Bid a Profitable Speaking Business. And you can find that on the books tab, honestly, at brettridgeway.com. Awesome. I'm sorry. What is the title? How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. Nice. Uh, my uh, book was published by Morgan James. Oh, very good. Yeah, I've yeah. I've known David Hancock and the team over there for 20 years. Wow, really? They're In fact, great. they published all my books except maybe one small book that I, I self-published. So ah, work with it. those folks quite a few times. Yeah, yeah, they're they're terrific. Well, thank you. I'll make sure this information is on the um show page and in the show notes. And uh, like I said, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, 
we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.